0: This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. Thanks for joining us. In today's episode, we're talking SIMS, that's short for Security Information and Event Management. And it typically describes software or services that provide real-time logging and analysis of security alerts. A SIM can gather information from a variety of network software and devices, correlate, aggregate, and alert users of issues requiring attention. Monzi Mirza is head of security research at Splunk, a well-known SIM provider, and he joins us to share his thoughts on SIMs, how they fit into the security lifecycle, and how successful organizations are best utilizing them. Stay with us.
0: I used to work in, in, in government. I did that for about 15 years, doing a bunch of different things around security research, uh, both developing tools and using tools, both hardware and software a technology development for security. Somewhere along the path, I built something as part of a team that was very close to what Splunk was. And then someone said, hey, that looks like Splunk. And that sort of stuck with me. And then ultimately ended up uh, downloading Splunk and then buying Splunk and then eventually coming to Splunk because I felt that there was a lot of opportunity to share that style and that, that kind of analytics capability with a broader community, broader set of audiences. And I've been at Splunk now for almost seven years. Now, when
1: you were growing up, when you were coming up through school, what were your interests? Were you always technically minded?
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, my I started programming in basic when I was probably in fifth, I think fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I was always a tinkerer, I think. I, my mom, I think, used to call me a reverse engineer. Even before reverse engineering was maybe a, a, a formal security discipline, <laughs> she would say that I, always, I would always take my toys apart. And then I would try to put them back together even as a as a, as a child. So I, I guess always had that. And just generally speaking, I don't like mysteries. So anytime somebody says, oh, just take it for granted. I, I don't like that answer. So I like to learn and get in there.
1: For our listeners who are not familiar with what Splunk does and where Splunk fits into
0: the ecosystem, um, tell us what we need to know. So I think when most people think of Splunk, they think of it as the log aggregation engine, and that is correct, but incomplete. Hmm. I would like for people to think of Splunk as, and this is the way I used it when I was a customer and many of our customers use it like this, is they treat Splunk for security as their nerve center. So where data not only comes into Splunk from a variety of different sources, but then information goes out of Splunk in the form of data or in the form of telemetry or in the form of action, so you signal something. So for example, if data is collected and you want to tell a firewall to take some action for whether it's for evidence preservation or whether you would talk to a, a forensic system for evidence preservation or whether you want to enrich context to the existing system, for example, maybe with an HR system, or if you want to if you want to do some configuration management, you want to reduce somebody's privilege as a consequence of some analytic. So Splunk is that nerve center that allows you to collect everything from a lot of different places, process that information, and then be able to make faster decisions through the analyst.
1: In terms of the practical uses for an analyst, you know, in terms of saving time, a- improving their ability to make the decisions they need to make, can you give us some examples of how that would work?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, let's talk. I mean, I think it's in the broader context of the overall security operations life cycle. Mm -hmm. So essentially everything from detection, investigation and response. And even if you want to take a broader definition of the NIST guidance and go all the way to identify and and go to the edge to mitigate, Splunk is used across all of that. So let's take a specific example. Let's say that your business cares about, you know, you're in a business and, you want to protect your web application services. As a defender, then you want to ensure that your web application services are not under attack. So you want to detect certain types of attacks. And of course, you have an ecosystem of products, whether there's firewalls or whether there are whether authentication services that send information into Splunk. And what Splunk does is you can have analytics that are pre-built using our enterprise security platform or our user behavior analytics platform to detect those things. And once you detect that, you create an alert. And now that you have an alert, you want to investigate something. And so then you may go back in to fetch more data or understand, maybe scope the problem. Is it really a threat? Is this is this a high priority? Is this a low priority? What are the assets involved? And then once you understand that, then maybe you want to respond to it. Maybe you want to do some sort of cleanup activity or or raise a ticket and and be able to communicate with somebody and and really start an official incident, if you will. that, that is how an analyst would use Splunk and even to collaborate with other analysts or create some sort of a timeline to describe to somebody how this threat manifested itself. And then the other personas for usage is someone like a security operations manager or, or a SOC manager who might want to see, well, what are the different things that the teams are working on? Or even at a higher level, if you're a director or if you're chief information security officer, you might want to know what are the threats? How are you responding? How well are you working? What parts of your technology instrumentation and your ecosystem is benefiting your operation, both from the perspective of performance and from the perspective of effectiveness?
1: Over time, as the the need has has grown and changed, what sorts of changes have you seen in the functionality of these sims?
0: So I think if we if we look back back in the day, the idea when sims were first introduced, when I first heard the term, was probably about twelve years ago, maybe maybe longer. Hmm. And the idea was, you know, this whole notion of correlation from multiple types of devices or multiple types of sensors to create alerts. And I think what practitioners realize over time was that there were way too many alerts and it was just not sufficient to just have an alert. And I think also what practitioners realized was that they needed more and it wasn't just an alert. They needed the ability to investigate. They needed the ability to automate and the ability to respond to threats. And also what they realized was all data is security relevant. So DNS data is security relevant. Something from an application server is security relevant. Uh, Authentication logs... It's obvious that they're security relevant, but database events are also security relevant. So I think the maturity of the SIM has come across from just being this point solution from quote unquote traditional enterprise security or correlating things from security specific devices to taking this broader view of security operations. As an enterprise environment and i think what a, a lot of the a lot of the movement towards cloud a lot of the acceleration towards mobility and all those kinds of things i think have added to the expectation that a sim has to encompass a lot of different things and then i think now when we look at it in, in 2018 really security operations looking at themselves as saying well we need to be able to enable the business. And not just be the people who say no. So in order to enable the business, the requirements for developing understanding, regardless of the footprint or regardless of the types of problems that they're trying to solve, they need broader analytical capability. They need broader actioning and automation capability. And I think so as a consequence, sim is really evolving to the point where those are the requirements. It's not just enough to collect something from an endpoint solution or a firewall. SIM has has, has evolved to or at least the Splunk Sim has evolved to this much bigger view of serving the entire security operations lifecycle with an eye towards risk and business enablement.
1: Yeah, you know, it's something we talk about quite a bit here, uh, how the transition from data to knowledge, to intelligence, you know, that and, and it's sort of that, that combination of the, the machine and the human, that the, the human still has that ability to say, hmm, something doesn't seem quite right here, I need to dig in here.
0: Yeah, I, I think so if we look at it from a, at least how I view the world personally, and this is what renders out in the in, in what the, the and this is not my sort of my own sort of somehow rocket science assumption, in talking to hundreds and hundreds of customers, you know, whether they're chief information security officers, whether they're malware reverse engineers, or whether whether they're frontline know tier one analysts, to me, one thing is absolutely clear that the human being is central to security operations it doesn't matter how much machine learning how much automation and what goes on i think what needs what the stance that is useful is for us to understand as as product uh, builders and and members of the security community is that all these machines serve the human analyst or the or or the human being whether it's an analyst or or, a C, or a ciso or or a manager to make decisions faster that human is going to be able to synthesize and develop context across all these different things to serve the business better more than the machine is going to be able to do. So I think it's important to design products and is, is, is useful to orchestrate your own security ecosystem within a security operations center or within a security environment for the business with that eye to enable the human analyst to make faster decisions.
1: As you look towards the future, are are there any functions that you wish the SIMs could have that they don't have now?
0: Oh, man. I think the biggest biggest one is around we really ought to switch the conversation on the programmatic nature of security operations. And I think SIMs should enable that. So this is what I mean by that. Hmm. Most security operations centers have these checklists that an analyst is supposed to follow. So for me as as a person who studies psychology in in undergrad school that is the job of a machine a person should not be doing checklist activities so if, if there's anything that's checklisted that belongs to the machine and so what we i think what the conversation has to flip to say let's stop m- focusing so much on making people do these rudimentary tasks that are checklisted and trying to make people behave more like machines and flip that and say let's try to make it so that people can behave more like people and and exert their intuition, make the products and make the solutions more intuitive for the human being to exert their intuition, to exert their own context, rather than try to follow these artificial contexts. And I think the other piece, the other element of that is the maybe a contributing factor to it is that security products and these products in general that are within the infrastructure of a business from an IT point of view, these products have to be open so that they can be connected to each other. Because if, there, if there's open connectivity between these different products, then the, the integrations can be done, and, and that is the pathway to, you know, the secure, whether you're a security leader or whether you're an analyst, to take better advantage and, and exert your intuition and your context on top of that system. So that's how systems have to be built and rendered out
1: yeah, and you know that leads me to this notion of community. I mean, how important is it to you that we have this strong community with the ability to share information? how do you think we're doing uh, on that front?
0: I think the the community aspect is 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 integral to to the growth of security in general, right? And, and sort of now security operations is starting to, or cyber is becoming part of the general vernacular to where people are starting to learn more and more and and, and are sharing more. And I think there are a number of different organizations, Splunk included, and many of the partners uh, that Splunk works with in the technology sector, enabling the community aspects either through open APIs or through having their own almost like app stores, if you will, whether they're firewall vendors or whether they are application uh, platforms or intelligence analytics platforms like Splunk, we all have these different community aspects to them. And I think that is critical to moving things for faster and cultivating and for for this ability for people to to share with each other.
1: You know, we focus on threat intelligence here on this show. Um, What's your take on that? What do you think uh, its part is to play? In building a good security posture?
0: A good security posture has a variety of different facets. There has to be this input of being able to collect information, being able to process information, the ability to share or to link information from different types of data sources. And threat intelligence is a key component of those different types of data sources of different levels of insight. Yeah. As any organization thinks about what do I need? I need I need data from endpoint systems and I want to analyze that. I need data from network systems and application services and, and authentication services and identity services. Threat intelligence is a key pillar in that stack so that you can learn from what's happening from the outside world and bring that. And you leverage the power of the community to bring that information in. And I would say to a lot of organizations, too, is. It's not just the ability to collect threat intelligence, it's the ability to act on the threat intelligence collected, and it's also the ability of an organization to create threat intelligence through their own analysis and enrich the available threat intelligence with their own analysis so that they can move the security operations forward faster.
1: Now, when you say the ability to act on threat intelligence, so what do you mean by that? Is that empowering employees?
0: Is that having systems in place? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. I think it's taking threat intelligence and and, and making it so that when you, receive, when you receive something, whether it's in the form of an IOC or whether it's in the form of a TTP of some kind, which is you know, tactics, techniques, or procedures from a particular or, or, or tools, techniques, and procedures from a particular actor, to be able to take that information and make it actionable. So I'll give you a specific example. Let's say I have a particular IOC from Recorded Future, and that's associated, and, and I received that into Splunk uh, as part of an alert And so now what I want to do is I I want to then see how many systems within my enterprise have interacted with this particular IP, for example, or what is the criticality of the systems that have interacted with this IP when they did interact with this IP? What is it that they did? So it's this ability to receive good information and then to be able to action that and contextualize it within your own organization. And then take the next level action, whether it is to block something, whether it's to whether it's to reduce something's privilege or whether it's to notify somebody. Um, I I think that so that's what I mean when I say intelligence should be actionable. And as a consequence of that, acting on that then creates this additional loop to where I want to go back in and say, perhaps I can discover additional IOCs. Or perhaps I can work this through and acquire additional TTPs as a consequence of my own investigation, then I can loop that back into my own organization to make things better. So threat intelligence is about actioning, and I feel threat intelligence is really about accelerating your time to defend so you're not the only one, not the only organization who's looking at a threat that you can you can leverage the community who's learned and, and then action that information.
1: You know, it strikes me that you have a unique view of the ecosystem. You're traveling around, working with the customers that you do. Do you find some some interesting patterns emerging? Do you find that um, you find yourself thinking, gosh, you know, if only people did this, they would be able to make their life a lot easier?
0: A lot of times, I don't think, I mean, you know, it kind of goes without saying there is really no silver bullet, so to speak. But I, I feel that in talking to most, so I'll, I'll share the observation. Yeah. organizations who who are who are sort of well settled in their ways and have have confidence are rooted in a good definition for themselves on what they think is the risk to them and have taken action to minimize that risk. And so with a very strong sense of some kind of a route, as an example, some of the retail customers that I talk to, they're very much anchored in vulnerability management as their core, security sort of route mm-hmm. and as a consequence everything that they do is anchored in that that doesn't mean that they don't, they, they don't have very sophisticated reverse engineers on their teams that doesn't mean they don't use threat intelligence they, they do all those things as well but everything contributes to that key anchor so i feel that organizations that take some sort of an anchoring approach to reducing risk they seem to do better and they seem to be at least more comfortable and be able to sleep at night a little bit better The other observation is that there are some organizations who take this approach of there's all this data out there and i'm going to somehow like do some security operation thing and i'm going to collect a bunch of data from a bunch of different places and whatever data that i have and i'm going to try to detect things based on that data i think that approach is less optimal than the other one to start with an anchor and work your way backwards Um, so i would say that is the key differentiator